0: This week on Business Brief, we'll hear about how a historically black university provides resources for students and entrepreneurs. Then we'll learn more about how St. Louis city leaders will review legislation that would allow for the opening of cannabis lounges. Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. My name is Siggy Reese, and I am joined by my co-host, Chelsea Peter. Chelsea, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. I'm excited for this weekend. What about you? I'm also excited for this weekend. Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, Mizzou is playing Memphis at the Dome in St. Louis on Saturday. So um, obviously, us both being Tiger fans, we're super excited.
1: It should be a good game.
0: I hope so, too. I hope the Tigers will, you know, be 4-0 after this weekend. Yes. Are you ready to get into this week's
1: headlines? Ready. The Federal Reserve Bank announced Wednesday it would not raise interest rates this month. This comes after prices increased 3.7% in August. While that is still above the Fed's target of 2%, it is also a significant improvement from last year's high of 9.1%. The Fed said inflation has improved to the point where the central bank can afford to wait and see for another month. However, officials signaled one more rate hike is likely this year.
0: General Motors laid off about 2,000 employees at its plant in Kansas City, Kansas, this week in response to a strike by United Auto Workers. The union started a targeted strike last week in three plants, including GM's facility in Wentzville. They said a shortage of parts resulting from the Wentzville shutdown led to its shuttering Kansas City operations. More workers could join the union strike in the coming days, as the UAW has set a new deadline of noon Friday to potentially expand the work stoppage.
1: Evergy customers will begin paying higher prices for using energy at times of peak demand after all. The Kansas City utility withdrew its request this week to opt out of the time of use pricing after initially asking state regulators if it could make this model optional in Missouri.
0: St. Louis County will give Boeing tax incentives for the company's nearly $2 billion expansion project that is expected to generate 500 jobs. The incentives include a real property tax abatement and a personal property tax abatement, both for 50% over 10 years. The tax break will total $155 million. Boeing's project will include the construction of buildings for St. Louis Lambert Airport to lease to Boeing.
1: Patrick Mahomes signed a contract with the Kansas City Chiefs that would give the quarterback nearly $200 million from 2023 to 2026. This deal makes Mahomes the highest-earning player in NFL history over a four-season span. Some reports say the Chiefs could revisit their contract with their star quarterback again in 2026. Did you know that Missouri is celebrating historically black colleges and universities, or HBCUs, this week? I did not. So last year, Governor Mike Parson made the third week in September, HBCU Week, to honor the universities in Missouri that have historically served black students.
0: Got it. And what business opportunities do Missouri HBCUs offer?
1: The Anheuser-Busch School of Business at Harris-Stowe State University and HBCU in St. Louis currently hosts incubator programs for students and entrepreneurs to receive counseling and resources for starting a new business. They also have a virtual network of aspiring and new entrepreneurs from St. Louis.
0: That's interesting. Does Harris-Stowe have any other
2: resources for entrepreneurs?
1: Yes. So the school is opening a new center called the Center of Innovation and Entrepreneurship at Harris-Stowe. Reporter Lucy Valesky spoke with Christy Jackson. She's the director of the new center, which is expected to open in 2024. Here's part of their conversation.
2: Why did you begin working at Harris Stowe or why did you choose to start working there?
3: I came to Harris Stowe actually as an entrepreneur myself and working in partnership with the Anheuser-Busch School of Business in creating one of our flagship uh, business accelerator programs Mecca, And so as we developed the MECA programming, uh, there was a need and opportunity really to build out the center of innovation and entrepreneurship, which will be a physical space that is currently under innovation that will open um, 2024, that will house co-working space and really be the uh, hub of our entrepreneurial programs and support uh, resources for our scholars and community.
2: What need did you are you looking to fill with the center?
3: Well, we know that um, there really is a gap of support for uh, entrepreneurs in general, especially black and brown entrepreneurs. Only 4% of black owned businesses in the U.S. survive past the startup stage. And uh, in addition, Black funders are historically under-resourced and receive less funding than their white counterparts. So we knew that there was already a gap. And being at uh, an institution of higher learning, we really had the opportunity to work towards closing that gap by offering the access to resources that are needed, funding, and at the same time, educating, um, educating our participants, our scholars, and our staff around, you know, what they need to learn to be successful entrepreneurs. And what's unique about the space that we offer is not only will they have access to entrepreneurship support, uh, resources, funding, mentorship, things of that nature. But we also offer uh, an entrepreneurship certificate, 18 credit hours that they will be able to uh, acquire uh, if they so choose or get a degree in business through our Anheuser-Busch School of Business. So uh, we really are looking for that pathway, providing resources along that pathway to close the gap um, that they can scale and be successful entrepreneurs.
2: And what maybe is the value of entrepreneurship for Um, people in St. Louis or for um, people who attend an HBCU?
3: One of the main values is generational wealth, right? It is, you know, providing um, those opportunities to gain uh, more access, make investment in our communities, um, helping to close some of those uh, gaps where um there there are the gaps that are missing as it relates to as we said mentorship, uh, as it relates to uh, the resources the funding that is needed and hiring right I mean the whole point of building businesses within our community is so we can you know add more um add more and hire more individuals that want to work with our companies and um, contribute to our economy. And so making that financial impact is, is critical for black and brown entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship in general. Where do you see the program
2: going in the next couple of years? Where are you looking to to build towards?
3: Well, we are literally building <laughs> a, a new space where, uh, as I said, we will have a um, co-working space that will be available for our scholars, our campus, our staff and community really at large. Um, and we are just looking to utilize that hub as a space where um, our entrepreneurs are seen, where they are heard, where they can collaborate. And we are looking to continue to grow in our partnerships and our collaborations with those individuals that support um, entrepreneurs at various aspects uh, of their journey.
2: What is your favorite part of working in this role at Harris Stone?
3: My favorite part really is being along the journey and seeing entrepreneurs that come, uh, whether they're scholars, whether they're community members that come with just a seed of an idea, you know, and this passion about starting a business, but they have no idea what to do. But to see them matriculate through our programming, our support, our mentorship opportunities, and to have that uh, courage, that confidence that, um, you know, they need to grow and to see them actually scale their businesses, and even to see them partner and collaborate with other entrepreneurs that may be a part of the cohort or the community. And so it's sort of that full circle view that we have at the Center of Innovation and Entrepreneurship to be able to see that growth and uh, just to be a part of that community. So that is really what is uh, most exciting uh, to me.
0: As new states legalize marijuana, cities and counties are discussing whether to permit a new kind of business called cannabis consumption lounges. I'm joined by Missouri Business Alert reporter Ainsley Franco, who spoke to a few people about how Missouri could see its first public cannabis lounge. Thank you so much for coming, Ainsley.
2: My pleasure. I'm excited to chat with you about the intricacies of cannabis lounges.
0: Me too. So to start us off, what is a cannabis consumption lounge?
2: So, a cannabis consumption lounge is a business where anyone over 21 can consume, ingest, or smoke marijuana on site. St. Louis city leaders plan to review draft legislation of cannabis consumption lounges this fall.
0: And can you tell me more about the city of St. Louis's upcoming draft legislation?
2: Of course. So, the St. Louis Board of Aldermen plans to introduce a bill for cannabis consumption lounges in late October or early November. The draft would then be reviewed by the Urban Development and Zoning Committee, and their feedback will be incorporated into the legislation.
0: Interesting. And what kind of impact would this type of business have on St. Louis?
2: The St. Louis Board of Aldermen's Secretary of Communication, Yusuf Danshire, says a goal with these businesses would be to create a new source of tax revenue for the city. It could also help those disproportionately impacted by marijuana criminalization through social equity applications, but nothing specific has been determined by the board yet.
0: Okay, so I'm beginning to understand the concept. Is there anywhere in Missouri that has seen a business like this yet?
2: So this isn't the first time consumption lounges have been a discussion in other parts of the state, but Missouri has yet to open a public lounge. But there is a private cannabis consumption lounge named the Cola Lounge.
0: And what's the difference with the Cola Lounge?
2: The key distinction between the Cola Lounge and what may be proposed by the city of St. Louis is that business is a private lounge. Brennan England opened the business in 2019 for people with marijuana medical cards, but now anyone 21 years old and older can bring marijuana and consume it. People pay for a daily, weekly, monthly, or annual membership ranging from $15 to $420.
0: Interesting. And are there any other states that allow these types of lounges?
2: There are. Nine other states have legislation that allow some versions of cannabis lounges. St. Louis is actually looking to Colorado and Nevada as models. I spoke with Andrew Livingston, an economist and cannabis policy expert at a law firm in Denver, and he says there are only 12 cannabis lounges in Colorado.
0: Interesting. Why only 12?
2: He says the location limitations and the remaining taboo around cannabis has made it difficult for the lounges to gain popularity within the marijuana community.
0: And what kind of location limitations?
2: Denver ordinances state that cannabis lounge owners need to consider local zoning when deciding where to place a lounge because it cannot be placed within a certain distance of sensitive youth areas like schools and playgrounds. He also mentions that the location chosen should be walkable since driving under the influence of marijuana is illegal.
0: Got it. That makes sense. And when would we see a cannabis consumption lounge open in Missouri?
2: It's really up to local governments to decide whether to allow these businesses and how they would operate. Dan Shire says it's too early to discuss a timeline for the opening of Cannabis Lounge in St. Louis, but once the bill has been reviewed by the Urban Development and Zoning Committee, the St. Louis Board of Aldermen should have a better idea of what to expect.
0: Well, Ansley, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: If you want to find out more about Cannabis lounges, read the full story on MissouriBusinessAlert.com. It is now time for us to get into our words of the week.
1: Chelsea, what do you have for us this week? This week, my words are green jobs. Ooh, and what kinds of jobs
0: are green jobs?
1: Well, that depends on who you ask. In Missouri, a new definition of green jobs has emerged as universities expand programs to prepare students for jobs in the state's growing cannabis industry.
0: Got it. So what schools are
1: offering these programs and classes? St. Louis Community College at Merrimack is offering cannabis classes as part of its horticultural program, which is the largest in the state. And starting the semester, Truman State University is offering a bachelor's degree in cannabis and natural medicinals. St. Louis University is also offering an online certificate program on cannabis science and operations. And those are just a few examples.
0: Wow, that's quite a few schools. And what are these cannabis classes teaching?
1: Well, some university classes focus on the holistic healing aspects of hemp, while others focus on cultivation. That's all I've got this week. What's your word, Siggy? My words are clean jobs, because we love a
0: rhyme. Green jobs, clean jobs.
1: We do, so what are clean jobs?
0: Clean jobs are jobs in clean energy and transportation.
1: Got it, so why are these jobs in the news right now?
0: Well, not only are clean jobs continuing to rise, but they increased in every state in 2022. In Missouri, clean energy businesses employed nearly 60,000 people last year, according to a recent report from environmental and economic advocacy group Clean Jobs Midwest.
1: Interesting. So what is the expected trend for clean jobs?
0: Experts say the number of clean jobs should continue to increase, partly due to the Inflation Reduction Act, which provides the industry with federal funding. For a closing thought, here's Christy Jackson again on the value that Harris Stowe's new Center of Innovation and Entrepreneurship aims
3: to provide. So our programs, in addition to, um, you know, meeting in a cohort where you can rely and learn and develop and grow with your cohort members, we are also available during the day for our students to just come into our innovation lab or you know let us know what uh, needs or supports they have and make those connections so it's really really about building relationships and about building community well that is all for this week
0: thank you to the m33 project for providing music for this episode for my co-host chelsea peter editors yasha Mikawaichuk, skylar rossi and michael stacy i'm Siggy reese and this has been business brief Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week.